How's the constipation? <laughs> a little louder, not everyone heard you. <laughs> okay, ladies, pigeon pose. Meet the Kennedys at Lassiter's Hall at the Waterhole. A cup of tea at Harold Sonia's nursery for a stroll. It's time to neighbors. CJ Kate Bayer. Let's get the neighbors. Hello, this is Neighbors. We are the Neighbours Recap Podcast. We are here to dissect the recent episodes of the Aussie soap opera that we've been getting stuck into. I am Vaya. I'm a TV writer who can't suspend disbelief. I have CJ, the hot mess mum. Hello. I have Kate, who's a Neighbours nightly tweeter. That's me. And we are in the Pirate Net Studios. Big week. Very excited to get in there. Neighbours Council Business... The business, again. Some administrative items to tick off. A few people joined the Neighbours Council, which is our Facebook chat group. Elliot, who listens to us while washing the dishes. That's a lot of dishes. And Evie joined as well. And what was that amazing artwork that was in there this week? It was like Art of Neighbours came to the Neighbours Council. Phil Turner made an absolute rip-roaring cover page for the West Waratah Star about um, the Backlane Bar, which the, the best part of it was at the bottom of the page. Um, in other news, Camazole share price rockets. Yeah, what does that mean? <gasps> See, this this is an old school reference, right? So when Fiona Cork used to appear on Neighbours, in the credits, there was always a line that said, Fiona Cork's wardrobe by Camazole. <laughs> <laughs> and is, I've never heard of Is this a real brand? I've never heard it of it. It was. It was at the time. So, and I was like, oh, come on, surely I'll be able to find some sort of camisole. So, because it's with a K and a Z. Um, did they do camisoles? No, they did like 80s power okay. dressing. See, because she was like the an executive at Lassiter's. Oh. So, um, you know, she wore like the hits of the 80s, basically. I was like, oh, surely I'll better find something in what I'm like. Yeah, you know, I got on the ABN registry thing. I'd hopefully find some sort of history of it there and, and working out that it had changed into some other shop that still exists. No, can you, nothing. Can you eBay any garments from days gone by? I managed to find something that was like a translation of a Women's Weekly that – Mentioned camisole, but that was it. I couldn't even open it up properly. We need we need someone with. Oh, you know what I've got to do? Registry. Oh, you get onto it at work. And, and, and what I've got to do at work is talk to the the costume department. Yeah, see, see yeah, see if they can work out what camisole was. <laughs> Second item of council business is Patreon because we are on the road to one hundred patrons. Because Kate's decided what we're going to do. What are we going to do when we hit one hundred? We are reopening the neighbors' night for a once-off special. Um, asterisk. <laughs> Maybe a 200? <laughs> what have we got to? We can figure it out. Maybe and if we do it, we would like to see as many of our Patreons there as possible. So come on, guys, start saving your pennies. <laughs> Fly to Melbourne. We'll try and do it in summertime so you guys won't get totally down about the Melbourne weather. But We'll live stream it. It's fine. How many patrons? Just still at 65. I didn't I didn't get my four cheeky people that ah. want to get me up to 69. So that's still open if anyone wants to be at number They're 69. Afraid. They're afraid. They don't want to confront their sexuality. If you're the 69th patron, I'll get KB, partner of the pod, to do a a humorous doodle of one of the cast members. Just by themselves in a 69 position? Um, No. With a a humorous doodle. With a humorous doodle. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Humorous doodle. I better write that down. He does all the doodles on the Patreon page for all the tiers. So that's his work. 
if we do have this night, we're going to have to go and like rustle up all the backpackers in St Kilda and Fitzroy, aren't well, we? Didn't Kate? You send me a Reddit thread that said like Fitzroy is the new St Kilda for backpackers. Yeah, me? yeah, which makes sense. And you know what? Fitzroy is kind of like if you went towards the city from Ramsey Street, you'd pretty much go through Fitzroy anyway. Yeah, so it's all fine. It's all fine. Mm. Patreon.com slash neighbourspod is where we are at and deep dive. We're going to do a deep dive on mainly one episode, but it'll spill over into the remaining episodes of the week. So Wednesday, the 21st of August, 2019, is where we're starting. We open with Leo Tanaka's just been fleeced of all the funding from the Backlane Bar account. Backlane Bar, all right. So I didn't – did we ever see how much money was in there to start off with? I don't think so. So what do, what do we reckon was in there? Like how much money is it when you have to call Paul? Okay. Can, can I raise two points here? Mm. Bars, cash business. Surely the books do not reflect the actual cash flow of the business. Oh, tap, tap, tap now. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Okay. But secondly, hasn't Roxy been drinking all the profits anyway? <laughs> she's, she's a loose cannon, isn't she? And Vance stole the float, which, hang on, how big's the float going to be? Not that big, surely. Oh, yeah, that's why they don't have any cash. But I thought the float, hang on, surely the float's, bucks. yeah, not more than like 200 bucks. And if that has put them in the poo, then that business is not going well. I have never owned a small business, so I wouldn't possibly know how much you're supposed to have. I know she had 50 grand for them to set up the business. I don't know how much any of that costs, like buying the business. I would assume you wouldn't have much change from that. No. Buying the business, buying or, all that alcohol. So mm. maybe there's, I'm going to guess 20 grand. Like renting it as well? Yeah. But it seemed like he only had the money to pay the beer guy that was coming later that day. And and the casuals that are working that night. Oh, I forgot about them. Oh, come on. It's a stra- it's Melbourne hospitality. Yeah. They don't have to pay them, right? Yeah. 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 I pictured it like a couple's finances. Shouldn't you have more than one account? Like the joint yeah. account and then you each have your own and like not necessarily, but you would have um you'd have like an overdraft, which is like your business loan account, mm. and then you would have like the cash, mm. the, the the drawings, and then you would have um one that you're putting aside the baz and the superannuation and, and all and of like that. And like a rainy day fund. Uh, yeah, but I don't know if they're at really at a stage of their business where they could do that. Yeah. But also you're running your own business. You've got all your businessing software on your laptop and you don't password protect everything. Everything is just auto login. I have two-factor authentication on my Instagram. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> like <laughs> what is Leo doing? You know what it reminded me of? Remember in that very house, little kid Turner got taken for all his money from the dark web yeah, yeah. The dark web. I thought it was like it was a storyline of that except Leo's in his 30s he was a non-contributing zero this episode and I thought Paul was seconds away from calling him that too mm. oh but the best part was him going you really think she'd pick you over Pierce mm-hmm. that was wow that was scathing seriously Leo you should have clued on to this grifter when she picked you over Pierce Grayson and then to take her home and give her full access to your bank accounts less than 24 hours after meeting her, for the sake, Leo. It does not get any more naive. Earlier, she had said something like, oh, he's not my type. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, bitch, billionaires aren't my type either. Yeah, super hot ones. Because <laughs> also he doesn't even have to be super hot. I'm sorry, billionaire. Yeah. Nah. That's with a B, that. Yeah. yeah, he could look like an old corgi. Especially like fine. muscular bil- billionaires. So we find out this is Carly Abernathy, who's Vance's accountant cousin. And she, her, she's, her grift 
is to pretend she's flirting with other merrymakers, patrons at the bar, but really she pretends she's sweet on the bartender, mm. goes home with him, they make and, moaning and noises. Well, Pierce is left looking like the saddest bitch in Erinsborough. <laughs> they can't even pick up some random at the bar. As we learnt later, it's pretty easy to get a date on your phone using an app. Why doesn't <sighs> Pierce do that? Just wave your phone into the air. Mm. In the morning, she logs in and just does a quick transfer and away you go with your money while he's in the shower. Ned has recognised her. He's twigged that this is someone. He, he it's always, knows. It's knows. Yeah. Look, he can never put a face to the name. He's something mm. always kind of flickers in him, but he's never really quick on the uptake. Maybe, like, I had high hopes that he could be a first responder, but maybe he's not savvy enough to be it. You guys have got a very soft spot for Ned. Not lately. He's like, dead he's, to me. He's picking up rubbish on community service yeah. later in the week. Yeah. No, I used to have high hopes, but if he's that slow to twig mm, with like, people that he's met and lived yes. near. Yeah. He's like, oh, are you from the Territory? You know what? Nah. He but is half drab. Oh, he is. He's growing into his drab powers, mm. which is reversing all his mm. actual powers. He's dating up like a drab, Yasvi. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, actually, no, look, he's screwed both ways. He's half Brennan, half mm. Willis. Neither side are known for their smarts, really. Mm. Well, Beth Brennan, I don't know what her side is like. She's got to be a close relative. <laughs> I mean, she's good, enough, good looking mm. enough to be a, yeah. a Brennan. She's probably mm. just their auntie. Now, the insurance is not going to cover this because then Roxy's like, uh, you can't go to the cops about this because this is not entirely clean cash that's gone. Do you think this is going to form part of Leo's exit storyline? But are the cops going to do the forensic accounting on where this money came from or just go, this is money from our business that has disappeared because of this con woman? Mark keeps coming. He comes over to give him updates. I really like Mark in this sort of low-level policing. I do, but also, like, I don't know if anyone else has had I mean, I've never had all my money taken out of my business account by somebody <laughs> I just slept with. But um, that was one expensive route. Oh, it yeah. really was. It really was. She could. She should have gone with Pierce. It would have been cheaper to actually hire a sex worker mm. and an accountant. Yeah. yeah, everybody would have had a great time. Everything's above board. Everyone's finances are in order. The only thing that I thought was right on the money, you know how he was like, you know, sweating her on the couch and he was saying, oh, can you help me do my accounting? He's just like the hot guy at school going like, hey, smart girl, you want to come and hang out with me in my books? He's They're sexy like you. Here's why he's a non-contributing zero. Not because he got scammed because... You know, people are victims of scammers and they're the victims. He's oh, the victim. Just wait until he gets an email from a Nigerian prince. <laughs> but he is in the hospitality industry, right? Mm. He establishes these venues, he runs them, and this is now the second organisation on record where he has bedded his patrons. He used to put, he used to take backpackers to bed all the time when he was mm. running the Tanak Packers. Oh, remember when he drank like the light beers? Rage, <laughs> brains. But he's hang on. He's how many businesses is, has he run? He's got the Back Lane Bar, the Tanak Packers. He worked in Lasseter's. He worked in un, various unnamed Sydney businesses, and he can't work out his own accounting software, or at least outsource it. Hire yeah. someone else to do that for you. Who did he catch the saddest bitch in Erinsborough from? Well, we can trace this back easily. Okay, so he's he hooked up with Terage. Oh, she, she hooked she, up with she, Gary. She can, oh. Because oh. what's your theory now? You've got a scientific theory. Oh, no. Okay. No, no, no. But then it doesn't work out because Gary caught his sad bitchedness from Ellie. He can't retrospectively give it to, to Rage and then who then retrospectively or then, who then gave it to Leo. That means Paul's next. You know what he caught it from? Being the doctor's brother. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, from the beginning, because you imagine his oh. mother and his grandmother, how they would have been like, David's the best. David's the I, best. I use, I use this um, phrase. It was in a latent stage until it's just blossomed. Mm. Now he's been, yeah, mm. dumped by Rage for his dad. That's when it's just gone. Oh, it's, you know, like um, how if you have the chicken pox, then, mm-hmm. like, when you get older, you get the shingles. It's like this. <laughs> this is this is like his shingle version of the saddest bitch in Arisborough coming out. Yeah, because it was a good period where he floated off the um, the dimples. Oh, yeah. And now yeah. the dimples aren't going to give him the, the dimples are turning into chicken pox scars. They are. But, yeah, I do not have any time for him if he's going to be taking home his customers. I know, but it's tough when you work in hospitality to find a mate. It's tough. Bloody out in the world, rest of the world. True. <laughs> but he's busy in all of the high mating hours, you know, behind the bar because Roxy's never like, there. He's busy what, hanging out with attractive, available people all the time. He'll yeah, find them. Yeah, you know, but that's why he has uh, to take them home. But it, he should go back to their house it, where look, he doesn't have a laptop. Oh, good on him for dating outside the Erinsborough uh, bubble. Actually, mm. yeah, good point. Yeah. There's a point in that column. Mm. Well done. Who knew that she was, in fact, associated with the bubble, though? Yeah, so she has actually targeted him. He he was a mark because she wanted Vance's in the slammer now, so she wanted to get some of the family money back. Because Ned's all, oh, oh, no, nah, she's not Carmen. I know who she is. She's Carly. Congratulations, Ned. You've finally shown up. Uh, you know what, though? Can, is it actually possible for us to get more storylines about Vance? Because, <laughs> like, Just when we thought. Uh, yeah, I thought this was over months ago. Your question was, do we think it's contributing to his storyline? Yes. So what's going to happen is Leo is going to slide down because he's now I'm a loser Leo, right? And he's just going to keep sliding down and then someone's going to whisk in with some scholarship from America <laughs> and he's going to go off. A scholarship or, for an adult man. Yeah. That's one part or he could spiral and end up like dead cop. Well, he just spirals, 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 spirals. And cleans, and cleans an oven for an episode? Yeah, no, 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 not him. Dead cop. Oh, dead, dead cop. cop. Remember, yes. he, he spiraled, slept with another woman mm. and died. I don't know if we can kill another one of Paul's children. I think he's going to, like, declare bankruptcy and then Paul's going to ship him off to, like, Lasseter's New York with the rest of his children or Lasseter's... Mm. Mm. <gasps> Let's hope he doesn't hit on Elle. It's happened before. Yeah, yeah. She's a beautiful woman and he's got a soft spot for him. It's not the first time a Robinson boy has hit on a Robinson sister. It's, it's not, not the, the first, first time, time Leo, Leo has. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Lasseter's Abu Dhabi or something. I think Paul will be like, yeah. go. Go somewhere where you're not allowed to, to drink booze. <laughs> Great. This is exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be the Lasseter scholarship internship. I think, I think other characters have been mm. on this internship. Yeah. yeah. It'll that, be like the entrepreneur one. Oh, you know what? Lasseter's Hobart, here you come. Or um, that cruise that Tarage puts people on sometimes. Or the Marlene Kratz took cruise. <laughs> Although, you know what I would like? If he does claim bankruptcy and then has to go on my budget, you know, that one. That <laughs> I'm sorry, the UK, that, that, that wasn't a good joke that, for it's, it's like for, a, yeah, kind of like a debt consolidation it's, it's service. Info, it's an infomercial that runs during the day of yeah. people that need help managing oh, their I, finances. I ran up $100,000 of credit card debt. Yeah, in Slurpees. But they're helping me. Now I've got my budget. Yeah, and I would like to see Leo running on on my budget. I would like to see that. <laughs> I got fleeced by my business partner's ex-boyfriend slash my ex-girlfriend's ex-boyfriend. And now, thanks to my budget, my bar's back in the red. Oh, and my, the and black. My, yeah. my daddy said he was only going to help me if he could, like, help me run the business too, and it's the yeah. worst. It's the worst because his businesses <laughs> succeed. Lovely. I slept with my stepmom. <laughs> and I almost, oh, yeah, like I was coitus interruptus with my sister. Oh, dear. 
okay, time to go, Leo. Yeah. I love Leo and, and we're doing this to him. Yeah. But- God damn it, well, we didn't do it to him. No, he's done it to himself. <laughs> this woman from the, 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 the territory did it to him. Yeah. He's done it to him. It's bloody self. He Lock has. your laptop when you've when your whole business is on it. Yeah. It wasn't a very flash laptop. I was about to say, like, why doesn't he have fingerprint protection? And Paul hasn't bought that laptop, I'll tell you what. Now, we'll just do a little sidestep to another bracket of the Robinson family, and that is the excellent little situation we have over it. To Rage and Paul's love nest. Yes, featuring her her ex stepson Ned mm. with his teenage girlfriend sometimes bunking mm. in, and Paul's surprise granddaughter who's like come for a holiday from the UK and with is a like suitcase of um, Peter Pan collars. Yeah, and is like I'm gonna live here. Don't worry about my guardian and Teresa's ex step niece. Well, just ex niece. So things aren't going great there. Why is Tarage feeling so obligated to her? I'd be like, you know what? You've actually caused enough trouble and I think your parents can sort you out. Roxy is like a little gnat that's buzzing in your ear and you can't get – you just try to get it and swat it, but it's just like – Turns out it's it's inside your ear. It's like, get out of it. Like, I can't – She's a villain on the show as far as I'm concerned. She's not here as a fully-fledged character like because there's nothing human about her. She's, Except her beautiful hair. She's a pantomime villain. She was despicable in this episode, like disgusting behaviour. I could – and I sound like an old lady, but – You know what? You sound like Miss Harple. <laughs> the 17-year-old in the episode. So the girls are at each other's throats. And I say girls, so they're 17 and 20. Okay, my, my biggest plot hole in this storyline – is that Tarage sent someone else to pick up her wedding dress. Because when you pick up your wedding dress, you try it on for a final time and they go, oh, yes, this will fit your bazongas," or, oh, my goodness, we've got to let out a few seams. I thought it was going to be a decoy dress. So Tarage sits down and goes, hey, I've got a plan to get the girls to get along. They're going to go pick up my wedding dress because, newsflash, the wedding's in three weeks. They must have picked up when Gazcan and Amy cancelled their wedding. They're Bora Bora. Paul must have gone, ah, let's just rub it in Gaz's face and we'll just go in and take the leftovers of their wedding plan that they weren't going to use. Was it done at Frankston Pier? (laughs) It's going to be amazing because it's all the trimmings. I want to see it like the the crazy rich Asians wedding. (laughs) So I thought it was a decoy dress. She's like, all right, this is my plan. The girls are going to be at each other's throats. They're going to destroy this dress in the process, but we'll all come out of it stronger and it's pretend. It's probably like a Salvo's dress that she's put in there. Yeah, because look, I reckon second time round bride, I'd still embrace the white. Who cares if you're an older lady and you've been married to a deadbeat before? Yeah, you don't have to go the coffee-coloured beaded dress. I loved the colour she chose, though. I thought it was more peach, ten peach. I have been thinking about this for a week now. You know how she bought off the Hanson kids to be in the cafe doing the gig? I think she's just really enjoying being Mrs Robinson. Yeah. And she's like, you know what? I'm wearing that expensive dress. And what did she... I'm doing these expensive things. Why not? Because she was married to drab. And what did Paul reveal he was chucking in for her for the reception? Um, oh, I'm going to hurt myself now for not remembering the brand name, but it was Christian Dior, I believe, um, reception dress. And he said it like it was, you know, like they've got a tea dress and they've got a reception dress. <laughs> you know, they probably do. He knew exactly what it was and he's he's organised it. Yeah, because he heard her on the phone to Pipe. 
Aww. Which would have been so obvious. She's like, so Piper. And she like lists off her measurements. So Paul, like, and the website is. And Piper would be like, but I would never have given a shit about this. She's not coming, is she? No, but she, she's like, do you think I care one iota about fashion? But that's why she's saying it. So, yeah, yeah. So Paul will hear. Imi and Piper, are they coming to this wedding that's in three weeks? No. No. Cool. Uh, I know that Paul's pissed off all his other kids, but you'd think maybe even his nephew, um, who's that nephew? Non-contributing Zero would come. Oh, Madison? Didn't, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe they, they didn't could. leave on bad terms, no. did they? Yeah. Like, you think his brother might even turn up? She sent the girls to get the dress. They now have inherited Hermione, the shit bomb car. Oh, I saw one of those in Sydney Road last week. The car just sounded exactly like I'd expect Hermione to sound, which was just kind of wheezy. <laughs> and then just as it turned the corner, it made a wee bit noise. And I was like, yeah, this, these cars were not built for longevity. Mm. Not to pass through the generations of Ramsey Street. No. Do we ever actually see it move? Because I don't know if it's got an engine it probably in it. doesn't. We know. saw it hit a bin. So it's Ro- probably pushed by the, the, the crew. <laughs> Roxy reverses into the bin. Harlow has her L-plates. My boyfriend took 38 years to get on his L-plates. She's a very effective lady. <laughs> um, I want to say, so they come back from getting the wedding dress and Roxy is Roxy and Harlow is Harlow. No, 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 you are not trying it on. I've always wanted to know what it's like to have this much money up against my skin. So take up stripping. Ouch. You know... It's a surprise that you don't have more friends. And Roxy tries on the wedding dress, right? This was outrageous. From from here on out, I was like, put her on a plane, send her home. She's off tap. This is not okay. You cannot open someone's wedding dress, put it on, dance around the house, and then, well, rip it. Um, What if weirdly, CJ, why are you looking at me like that? Weirdly hang it up in the kitchen as well. What is your face, CJ? Um, I'm thinking about two things. Firstly, I think she behaved normally. And secondly, I'm thinking about that Friends episode when they're all wearing wedding dresses. Yeah, but they weren't other people's. That's true. But Well, I one just, of them was, but, you know. I think that doing what they did, I feel that Harlow pushed her into ripping the dress. No. Because I think that she put it on and what would have normally happened if it was too young women hanging out and having fun is they probably would have gone upstairs, done it, put the wet, the dress on in the bedroom in a much safer area and Roxy danced be- around the room and then taken it off. But she came downstairs to show her up and to like, you know, cause friction and stuff. And then Harlow got angry and then that's when she was moving unevenly <laughs> and then she, bro- she broke the dress. I just uh, think that... You're, you're victim blaming again, Susan Kennedy. <laughs> I, anyway, I do think that Roxy's terrible, but I also feel that Harlow is just too far the other way. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's definitely that. No, Harlow's I, a pain in the ass. Harlow's ringing very true to Vaya Pashos. <laughs> I am <laughs> feeling also, her. But what annoyed me with Roxy is she had a full face of foundation and probably fake tan. I'm like, mm. that is all rubbing onto Ooh, that dress. Yeah. Also, the reason I thought it was a decoy dress is that it ripped clean in half. No give at all. It, it, was, it was a little bit kind of turned a bit belly dancer at that stage, didn't it? Yeah. I just thought there is no way Therese has ordered a, a dress with flimsy stitching. From the, the house of Aaron down the mines. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Just before we were discussing the latest season of The Australian Bachelor and last week there was this one woman who dobbed in another girl for basically – yeah, you know, what the other girl said wasn't nice, but the girl who did the dobbing, she she broke the circle of trust, and I think that's what Harlow's doing. She went and dobbed where she was became a bit too much of a dibba dobber. But that's your wedding dress. Imagine, put yourself in that position. Yeah. Your but, niece has ripped your wedding dress. Yes, 
but it's Teresa's niece who did it. You don't need Paul's granddaughter saying, well, Roxy did this and Roxy did that. Roxy, yeah, have some... But Roxy's not going to say anything. So as, yeah, as Harlow said, what, she's just going to find out on her wedding day when she opens the bag. Well, no, well she's no, going to open the bag before you've that. Got to, you've got to open the bag and actually let the whole thing hang properly out of the bag. The bag's only a very temporary measure, transport thing. But also, we're forgetting, Harlow's British and she doesn't understand dobbing culture and that you're not allowed to do this. Oh, I don't even do our... But it's our... in prison, man. He, she, surely she'd know about laggers from that. <laughs> True, good point. Yeah, do our overseas friends know the term dobbing? Dibber dobbers wear nappies? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's un-Australian. That I could have got you into a whole world of trouble, but I'm no lagger. The thing is, it would have all come out in the end and that's the point where, she, where Harlow could have said... Yeah, well, it wasn't me and Roxy was wearing it. Also, yeah, yeah. Harlow is a 17-year-old girl. Roxy is 20 and an adult. She's a girl child. Yeah. She's a woman child. I'm a dobber from way back, mate. Like, it's good. You've got to – everything – you've got to tell people. It's justice. Miss Varpool. <laughs> <laughs> Teray just really chill about it. She's like, oh, okay, fine. Because she's got all that money now. But also – None also, of these things mean she's, anything. She's like, I'll wear the Dior. No, you know what yeah. she's going? She's going, oh, Jesus. Who cares I, about this dress from – where is it from Eden Hills? House she's of like, Elizabeth. <laughs> uh, I have to live with this dobber. That's what she's going, yep, yep, please tell me more. Come on, stir up some more. The bit that tipped me over the edge was Roxy comes back after hearing about the lagging, tears strips off of Harlow, but then they just each go for the jugular. Roxy, we have the only bit of insight into her character this entire time that she's been here is when she says, this is how I blow off steam and I distract myself from real life. I have fun. There's this tiny glimpse into why she acts out like this which was like I was trying to grab onto it and then it was gone and then she was calling Harlow a psycho. Like, yeah, but you know what? She's not far wrong. How in this food fight did Harlow not end up with anything on her? I think Harlow just went like ape shit on her and what's Ro- Roxy didn't even like do anything in return and meanwhile Roxy is caked in food. Yeah, that mayonnaise at the end was like, quite that's, the kicker. That's the, the robber of aggression coming through the jeans there. But also she was triggered. Roxy said, you're, you're going to end up a murderer like your father or whatever. Well, that's, she's not wrong. That's, that's pretty low. Murder by praise mayonnaise. <laughs> um, but when you say we had, a, we had a flitter of her real personality, we've had two. So the first one was when she reacted to Paul, the kissing, trying to kiss Paul yeah. and then pushing him off. And she said in that, I have fun to forget about how shit my life is. So that's another that's another indication that she's been suppressing whatever's happened yes. to her. Is, uh, but how much of this is her family life, and how much is, of this is the fact that she grew up in Darwin? Because I've seen NT cops and people <laughs> people drink to oblivion up there, <laughs> which Roxy has been doing because there's nothing else to do except drink and have fights mm. on the streets and babies. So that's. That's the NT way of life, I think. Yeah. You never, never know. It's extremes. It's <laughs> you don't life get, like, extremes up there. It's hot. They're drinking get, a lot. Get blind drunk every mm. night. But also Harlow has a hard life. She's volatile. She's jumped across the world to visit her father who's in a maximum security prison who won't see her, barely has whispered back to her mother that she's going to live here and suddenly she's on her old plates in Melbourne. Well, yeah, but also... As Therese points out, she's more mature. At this point, she's more mature, so she has to take the lead on how to behave. And I, she's being a dipper doll. I just can't handle the screeching of Roxy, like, yeah, 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 yeah. like mm. shut up, shut up. Like, so the, but she hasn't been blandened yet, and for that we can be thankful. Oh, yeah, we won't be, won't be far away. Speaking of bland, perfect segue, we're going to touch very briefly on 
Chelly. And then we're going to move on to what I feel is the marquee storyline of this week. Mm. So firstly, Chelly, snooze fest. Last week, our guest Adam said that Chelly had the chemistry of green yogurt. And then the next day at work, he said in the office, he had mended it to, they've got the chemistry of two women organising a hen's night. <laughs> I just feel maybe all the women in the show have a problem. We've got our saddest bitches who are, you know, mainly women. Mm. Then, like, I don't know, can you think of a strong female character who hasn't had some deep flaws? I was going to say Susan. I was going to say Drage, but she's got flaws. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and <laughs> Susan's got some, you know, she's yeah. very accepting of criminal young men. And, hmm. oh, look, but I guess, look, deep flaws are central to basically everyone on Ramsey Street. And, look, and also, everyone in the world. And everyone. Oh, Puffy hasn't. Actually, Puffy doesn't have any deep flaws. He used to be, he's an ex-con. Yeah, that's very deep though. Like, I mean, everyone's been an ex-con on that show. <laughs> show me a man on that show who hasn't been in prison. David Tanaka. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Give it he's, time. He's, he's had the blandening though. He, mm. al- he almost got disbarred though from, he almost got whatever. Deregistered? Dedoctored. Well, his husband. So I think the, what's happened this week, essentially just to recap it really, really quickly. They go on a date. It's kind of cool. They go back to the um, house and Mark's there and he's drunk. Firstly, it's a date that's on a boat that Chloe's put them on a boat. A gondola. Somehow. And also it's a date that after which Ellie has booked in an obstetrician appointment. So it's a, it's a date that Ellie had zero expectations yeah. for. It has, has a time limit on it. I have not gone on many dates, but when I have, I have cleared my day. <laughs> I've gone, I'm going to clear the hours as far as the eye can see. See, my nitpick with that was that she was going for her quote-unquote 22-week scan, which, CJ, doesn't exist, does it? Yeah, I don't remember. You have a 20-week scan yeah, and that's 20. a big one and that's where they do like all the measurements and, yeah, no, there's no such thing as a 22-week scan. So they go, they have a great day and then they come back to the, what are we calling this house? <sighs> the Brenackers. The Brenackers. Aaron, Aaron and David's manor. Yeah, and Coyle is there and he... <laughs> Decides to, hey, go, hey, your sexy date. Have you noticed that she's pregnant? And then from that moment on, Chloe just keeps looking at her like, oh, there's a baby in her. I can't deal with it. Let's just say there's a lot I didn't expect when someone's expecting (laughs) water retention, insomnia, hormone fluctuation. Chloe's here to support me. I know you. Find time to get away for some fun stuff. While I can understand a lot of the points are true that um, Ali is going to have a baby that means more to her than Chloe. Which Chloe's very, very immature in her response. And that's fine. 100%. But that's they're not on the same page but also they, of their life. Chloe's worked as an au pair. She knows how children function, operate. Yeah. yeah. Even if they're older kids, you know that they have, if they're in her care, she knows that they need constant supervision and she doesn't understand that she's going to be second banana to this child. And well, I mean, she's been second banana to her brother, so it shouldn't be that hard. A lot of pregnant women or newly mothered women on television are immediately made to be unsexy, mm-hmm. which is damn hard when you're looking at Jodie, right? Yeah. But it's like somebody has marked them as their territory when they're pregnant and they can't be sexy anymore. And then the same happens. And then when the child grows up and they're a single mum, they, they get sexy again. Like Paige, like Olympia that. Valance. The minute she popped out, baby got gigantor. She was back in those bodycon dresses, quick sticks. Exactly. And, and Amy, you'd hardly think she has like a 17-year-old son. Exactly. But the thing is, is that I feel this is complicated because the territory's been marked by a man and Chloe's a woman and this is a new like a whole new relationship mm. and it's a new relationship in the sense that 
you know, they had all this chemistry and a lot of it's based on attraction, raw attraction. I, I think it's insulting that um, Ali is suddenly made to be unsexy because there's a baby in her. Yeah, and that, that I know you'll have words, CJ, about the prenatal yoga. Well, my word is, why do you need someone to go with you? This is weird. Yeah, it's a yoga class. You just move your body when the instructor tells you to. Also, like, if you've got constipation, talk to your doctor. <laughs> yeah, I know, like... It's not uncommon. In or out of pregnancy. No, I know. But you know what? Have some fibre and talk to your obstetrician. Suddenly Chloe's looking around and also her clock's ticking. She doesn't have a lot of years on this earth. And she's like, I don't want to spend the years I do have running around with the rugrats. Which I don't blame her. But also from the flip side of it, she doesn't want her own children because she's going to pass on Huntington's. So this is a perfect situation if she did want to parent yeah, but she hasn't got the Mark Brennan baby rabies, does she? No. No, but it can come on at any time. P.S. He gave the oven the baking soda treatment this week. <sighs> Is that a euphemism? Do you know, I booked in to have my cleaner clean my oven this week and it must be because of neighbours. <laughs> ding, ding. Tickets, please. <laughs> I'm Gary and I've got tickets on myself. I'm the chef at the 82 Tram Cafe, Erinsborough, inviting you to come and have a gander. Pack in like it's peak hour, enjoy some native tucker and pie form, and uh, drink out of jars that Dr. Carl saved from his pasta sauce. Need to book a function? Throw a surprise wedding for your bride-to-be in a tram. We might even serve desserts with fresh cacao. Don't worry, we've given the joint a once-over since I trashed it, so stumble aboard and stuff your gob full of roadkill. The 82. We put the ding in dingus. Now, the end of Wednesday, the middle of the food fight, door swings open. Who waltzes in, Kate? Gail Lewis walks in, a.k.a. Paul's second wife. I'd never met Gail before. She she was, well, as they've mentioned a few times, she came back in 2007. And I love Gail because she's like Gail of my youth. And she has aged so beautifully. Like there's, it's natural. She's got such a beautiful natural face and she was beautiful then and she's beautiful now. She was very warm. I got a lot of warmth Mm. from her and I loved instantly. She connected with Paul and Tarage and Harlow and Mm. like she was having very real interactions with Mm. them. It was really genuine. And Mm. it's funny, like over the years when they've asked Stefan who's, you know, Paul's true love and he's like, oh, I always lean back to Gail. And it's so true because she was his intellectual equal at the time and she was a businesswoman like when he was an up-and-coming businessman and that. And And she knew which room at Lasseter's would get her a good night's sleep. That was nice. She meets up with Harlow to have breakfast I have to say, when they said, she said, oh, 7.30 breakfast at Harold's, I was like, oh, that sounds a bit early. I know it's before school, it but wasn't, yeah. how about I just miss the first period? That'll be all right. But also, you're at a hotel. Why wouldn't you go to the buffet breakfast? Mm. How about when Tarage and Paul offered to comp the room and she's like, no. And surely, like, Tarage would just be like, we're doing it fucking anyway. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, yeah. Power move as well. We're, like, we're, we're comping the room. And we both own it. You're not going to get a bit of love. Yeah. There was this weird moment when Gail was talking to Harlow about how um, Rob Rob never got over Paul abandoning them. Hang on, hang on. Record screech here because we investigated Gail and her absence from the show because she was pregnant when we last saw her back in her first run with the triplets, which is their IVF triplets, which was, you know, kind of like, you know, ripped from the headlines at the time. But I was like, oh, because I couldn't remember. And I said to Vey, oh, he must have done something pretty shitty for her to leave while she was pregnant. And I spent quite a while in the perfect blend to piece all of this together. And it turns out he didn't abandon them. Gail was traumatised from her stepfather dying. Rob Lewis, was it? Her father. And she took off to Tasmania and didn't want Paul in her life because she blamed him for the accident. So really, she kind of made that call for him. 
Also, I think it's shitty parenting. That's like parental alienation to blame the absent father. Like, why not just raise your kids better and you're having a great life as a single mum with, with their trio of normal triplets? Who have built-in playmates all the time. Also, I don't think it's got anything to do with how those kids were raised. Rob had undiagnosed mental health problems, undiagnosed psychosis. Like, you don't just go around killing half of a suburb. But also, he was the third wheel in the triplets. The other two kind of ganged up on him yeah. as well. So, I don't blame the parents i blame the system for letting him down but i mean she lost one child to death and the other one to prison (laughs) so she is a little triggered i would say and the other one to new york yeah yeah i mean it's not it's not a great situation and also she uh, casually dropped into conversation that she used to run a nursery down in tassie oh hello that's chekhov's nursery yeah what's keeping her there in tassie come back up here can we call this episode chekhov's nursery (laughs) I don't think you can because I don't think it's going to pay off. <laughs> Come on. No, you don't just mention a nursery and how you used to manage one without you going, oh, hang on, there's a nursery here that doesn't have any management. Let's to Gail's nursery for a stroll. You know what she's going to do? She's going to buy it and be like Lusicus and she's going to manage it remotely. And every now and then it'll have a staff turnover and they'll be like, yeah. Gail's on the phone, she's hired a new manager. Oh, this is like like Steph and the um, Motelness Centre. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed the pair of episodes from Wednesday to Thursday. Gail? Uh, we didn't know you were coming. Well, I uh, wanted to surprise you. Well, you succeeded there. Are you wife number one or two? Roxy? Uh, no, 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 don't tell me. I'm going to figure it out myself. Friday's episode was its own brand of special. It was actually quite a mixed bag. It had ceramic pigs oh, and, yeah. it, and it had one of the most beautiful scenes I've seen in years on Neighbours from Sheila Canning. Oh, yeah. Friend of the show, Colette Nan. Are they going to drag Lasseter's Lake? I love how Kate takes the most poignant moment in the pod and just take it to dark town. <laughs> well, dude, what's going on? I'm, I am worried about it. Like, this is a trigger warning. Mate, what's happened to Sheila? And yeah, please find her. Yeah, we need to talk about Sheila. CJ, do you want to kick us off? She's been through the ringer. So Sheila's son hates her for reasons really unknown, to be honest. How dare In the words of The Bachelor, he's a... (laughs) I'll put it... (laughs) See you next Tuesday. You had some fairly flowery language to describe myself. Disrespectful pig. And... Whoa, whoa. Dog, see you next Tuesday. I would never said Matt's a C word, Matt's a dog and all that kind of stuff. He's a... A dog, he's a dog. I didn't say that. You were calling him the dog? We've got a funny little collection of contestants on our current season of The Bachelor. They've got some colourful language on display. To quote Sagand, they are a touch bogan. (laughs) Yeah. Colette's son doesn't like her because she tried to protect him from prison. And her grandson has, he's just off in love, right? So he's just not interested in the family, right? Imagine having sex with a father and son within like weeks of each other. Sorry. You'd be able to compare. It's definitely fresh in your memory. It's fresh in your nether regions. That is awkward. Um, And her boyfriend has broken up with her. Clive. Yeah. Yeah. And she's trying to do the washing, the laundry. Yeah, and as, as Amy says, she does everyone's washing and the rubbish. She does everything in the house. Like Gary's going to wash his own clothes. He's just going to end up kind of smelling like he looks. Yeah, inside, outside, left side, right side. Um, and she, too many things have happened to her, and she's she's started her mental health is really suffering. And we're getting some clues. She's working a shift at the Sonia and Becky Foundation with oh, Toadie. Oh dear, she's canvassing for. Is canvassing a 
Yes. I was going to say, it's not one of those bad words, is it? No, no. no, no. She's canvassing for sponsors, for donors, for the charity. No, she's following up on the money. So this is something – so I work in this field. So um, people make commitments. They make a donor commitment. So on the software that I use at work, you have where it's at um, and how much percentage where it's going to come through. So knowing the system that Toadie and Millsy have probably got going, they've probably marked them all as complete donations and actually none of them – the checks are not in the mail. Um, so she's going around essentially bashing kneecaps and getting money off the people who've said they'd donate. Which is the role she was born to play. It really is. Perfect career move for yeah. Sheila. Yeah. Because as we've said before, the waterhole has really given her all of her, her nine lives. Mm. It's time to move on, Sheils. At one point she says she's going to go after them with everything she's got or something like that. And Tony's like, um... <laughs> Uh, this is a charity for a dead woman. <laughs> yeah, if you could just send some follow-up emails and um, maybe wave to some people. Um, but anyway, another part that happens before this during the week, when they had the carport festival um, that B sang at, Carl came up and said, hey, how are you, Shields? And she said, oh, it's just good that I got out of the house. She was sitting outside on the lawn watching B and those three men Cab- that Cab Calloway? Those yeah. three blow-ins from... <laughs> Under a, a carport. And she was with a little coffee cup sitting on her own. Carl, invite her over to sit with you, mate. He's not very perceptive. I assume that Sheila's gone through a bit of her list, but maybe she hasn't. Maybe she thinks, you know what, if I just get Paul's donation, I've, I've completed 50%. If I get yeah, Paul's yeah. and Pierce's, I'm done, you know. She goes up to Paul and Paul is in a really not great mood. Because he's got a whole lot of crap happening at his house. And his ex-wife's turned yeah. up. Yeah. Just popped in after. Wants to steal his granddaughter. Yeah. one Like he's got one child slash grandchild that wants to be around him and, mm. and she's going to steal them. She asks him for the money and Paul just rips into her and she was like, oh. Calls her a meddler. Yeah, which I thought was a strange insult because it's not that bad, right? And also like, oh, I'm just sick of loud-mouthed women assertive women getting told either in the media and in life and on social media, you know, getting called feisty or getting called... Pull your head in. Yeah, getting called shrill or... Or, or bitchy mm. or being pitted against each other on a reality TV show. Exactly. And, and ball breaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't like the narrative and she looks at Paul with like vacant eyes and just said everything's worked out for you. You're not going to fight me like you always do? I've got nothing. So why are you still standing there? Has it ever occurred to you that sometimes people might want a minute on their own? I've got nothing. And you've got everything. And her heart sinks right down into the bottom of her feet, basically. I've got nothing and you've got everything. It's very sad, but she also raised Gary Canning. (laughs) She does have a hand to play in his shittiness, which has led to this. But she also raised wonderful Naomi Canning. And and Kyle's all right. Coyle? Coyle. Coyle. Eh. Coyle. I mean, look, he's okay. He st- stole his dad's girlfriend. But, I mean, it was second it was, round. He yeah. was, she was his girlfriend first. And then he stole his housemates' exotic dancing costumes oh, and put them oh, on and oh, then, that, and then that, romanced that, his girlfriend with them. That was an excellent scene. No. No, no, it was horrible. <laughs> who, who came in again? Toadie? No. Gary. Oh, no. No. no, no, Puffy. Puffy, Puffy came in. He's like, he oh, hi, Amy. Amy. <laughs> but they're into that shit, remember? Like yeah. him and Dippy, they got into the, like, the old, Sex games in that house. But didn't Kyle and Amy dress up to sort of enlighten her girliness when they were together? But Puffy would be all like, hey, I've got a flapper costume you can wear if you like. (laughs) 
a shiny pan, shiny pants Bobby. He's like, do you want to come over and get my Akubra and my oil jacket from my mm. Swagman days? What's the opposite of aroused? Because that's what I was Shriveled. when Kyle and Amy were in their cowgirl and tradesman just very outfits. Oh, you know, very desiccated. Relaxed. Yeah, that was, yep, that's what I was. Thanks, guys. So everyone's preoccupied. No one's noticed that Sheila's gone off the grid. No, they haven't noticed at all. And Gary, I mean, that Gary, just makes it sadder. And Gary still doesn't give a shit. And he's actually spiteful that people yeah. are worried about it. He's a nasty piece of work. Oh, he's disgusting. He is awful on many levels. At least just say, if you have that opinion, just say to your family member, I am not in a position to deal with this right now. You get on top of this. Call me if we have an update. Like, just remove yourself. Don't sit there and spout crap about your mum while she's missing. Mm. Also, yeah, he's keeping score. He brings up all of the things that she's ever done wrong. When, if anyone's keeping score, Gary, you have oh, all of the points against you. At least she's had a suspended sentence. Yeah. yeah. At least she raised your child mm. for you. Do you remember when she lied to Xanthi about having a heart attack? I'm like, well, she'd already had two heart attacks caused by you. Mm-hmm. Remember how she's washed your clothes for years? Mm. And done the rubbish. Throw it in her face. Remember how she's got you jobs, multiple jobs at Lasseter's? Remember how she tried to save you from prison last week? And has housed you? Does he pay rent? Does he pay board? Oh. That that is that is the most egregious thing, isn't it? He's pissed off at her because she tried to save him from getting like charged with murder. And he's like, "How dare she think that I would be?" Hang on, not murder. He didn't die. Well, no, you know, GBH. attempted, attempted. And, and and he was like, "How dare she believe that I would hurt some?" Uh, you're Gary Canning. You fit yeah. the profile, yeah. mate. Two beers later, it would have been you. Remember how you like brained Dippy? <laughs> Oh, that's true. With and his re- vegan cupcakes. And remember that Gary was the one Paul hired to bash up the guy that assaulted Tarage. And Paul met him in prison. Yes. And the apples. Look, hey. This moment where Sheila has this complete sort of flattening of her her personality in front of Paul, on a serious note, was really relatable. And I have wanted neighbours to do a mental health storyline mm. properly for a really long time. Because often they give someone counselling and then they forget about it. But- our Sheila. Did it have to be our Sheila? She'll be okay. You know why it had to be? Because her acting's up to the standard. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That performance. Yeah. We need to give um, oh, Colette Man a shout out on that. Definitely. Just broke my heart. I have had like not a great couple of weeks. I felt really, really flat. And I have felt like her. I was just like, I don't have anything, even though I have lots of things. But I just feel like... Nothing, there's no point to anything. And the whole climate emergency keeps depressing me. It's like the planet's going to end. So I just keep spiraling. I just, I really felt that in her face and her, I just was there. I'm glad they did it. And God, I hope Sheila doesn't hear about the climate because that, that will send her over the edge. The end of the episode is old fashioned Friday night cliffhanger. Sheila's missing. It's just, she's out bush somewhere because they've sent yeah. out the search party, which yeah. is, oh, yeah, trees. but, but there, there was high tension wires right behind them. I reckon they're on that same road that uh, Sue's got stuck on in the heat wave. Yeah, <laughs> the, um, the, the, the bush track that goes to the Glen. You think she's just doing a spot of shopping? <laughs> she's probably gone to the Glen and she's probably on yeah. that road and done a Doug Willis and is just mm. stumbling around somewhere. I think she's going to be okay. I think maybe she, she does need help, like, but I'm hoping she's just holed up somewhere, um, curled up. And I hope Tanaka's not a psychiatrist when she's done. <laughs> I hope they don't get the Beverly Robinson in to dangle the crystals in front of her. Nah, Beverly Robinson actually fixed the situation. <laughs> it, at least she has a um, higher education in this sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, but also, like, Sheila is a a lived experience lady Mm. and you don't need 
someone much younger than her and of a different gender coming in and being like, I'm going to fix all your problems. I had a moment. I was seeing my psychologist two weeks ago and I had just turned, I had just turned an age and in that conversation, my psych admitted to me that she'd just turned 30 and everything drained out of me in that moment. I'm like, what do you know about life? Like, you have no idea, kid. Like, <laughs> and I suddenly thought, I can't keep talking to you. But then it was fine. She figured it was fine. We moved yeah, on. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're like, I actually, I think I've thought I was 30 for seven years now. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, no, I know what you mean. But that's the, like, I, I don't think that Tanak is a good match for Sheila. Here's what I love about this is that you can create drama from human emotion mm. and from family um, turmoil. It mm. does not have to be... On a gondola? Yep. Or who's rooted who's family member. Mm. Oh, it's just a bloody epidemic of that. It's- or which criminal of the week is going to come and fleece somebody. So, Clive, by the way, has been absent for this entire business. They're, mm. they're not breaking up together, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And so is he going to come out of the woodwork to try and find her? <gasps> I love the two of them together and I do love Jeff Payne almost as much as I love Colette Man. They're really sweet together. And he's the way Clive talks just feels exactly the same way Jeff Payne talks, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But it, yes. A lot of his personality comes through in it. I think it was absolutely warranted of him to want to shut everything down when he realised she'd covered up a crime. I think there are certain things that are deal breakers and that was one of his deal breakers. And he's a respectable man as well. Mm. Sometimes you just got to get out of the, ca- the cannery. Like the cannery is a hectic place to be. But I think maybe after some time out, he'll realise that there are bigger fish to fry. Oh, he's going to be devastated when he finds out she's missing. Because he's definitely going to blame himself. And But he, when you say he's a professional man, he's a doctor. He's been her doctor. <laughs> <laughs> when she took over the microphone and tried to do the big gesture of love and he turned her down earlier in the week, um, she took the microphone at the hospital and declared her love. Which Did you notice how the staff were all like tried to wrestle it off her and then were like, oh, no, and like she's like, nah, kind of step back. All you had to do was pull the plug out of the wall and it would have all stopped. Yeah. But it is Aaronsborough Hospital yeah. and they're not employing the, the brightest graduates around. That's they? true. The brightest ones went off a cliff in a car years ago. Um, He should have known in that moment that she was on the edge. Yeah. Yeah, and he didn't. And sometimes when you go through breakups, you don't know. You you do want to check in on the other person. Mm -hmm. At some point, you do have to cut off contact to be healthy, but you don't have to immediately cut off all ties. You make sure the other person has support around them. But, you, yeah, you can send other people in. You can ring up Kyle and say, get Naomi across from LA. Give her a buzz. She's probably pretty busy. Get Xanthi back down. I'm sure there's uni holidays. And oh, she's too busy sitting on mm. Gary's Tinder. <gasps> okay. Sidebar on that. How very dare he go anywhere near this queen that I've known for one day that is too good for him. A definition of slumming it really, isn't it? Yeah, he, for her. There must be like oh, slim pickings in the man front down in Tassie. She has no business Messing with Gary, Francis Xavier Canning. Gail does not need this. But, I mean, how enjoyable is it going to be when Paul finds out? It's going to be a fun day. Um, <laughs> Gary, I know I, the, the, I might get booed out of this room. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm warming up my boo. Now, so, I know. There's a Kate-shaped hole in the wall already. There's a certain type of Australian man that um, is sexualised okay, in Australian so this, media. This is going to be a CJ apologist <laughs> anecdote, okay? If you think probably it harks back to Crocodile Dundee, it's the... Fictional. 
Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so a fictional type of man. It, no, like a there's a there's a type of man, an like archetype, an archetype mm-hmm. of man. So they're a larrikin. They generally on Nev the Kelly on, on the Footy one. Show. Yep, they're on the Footy Show. They border on Wrong Town frequently and break the law. That's probably one of the characteristics. So is this is this what Vera would describe as toxic masculinity? Hundred percent. I'm waiting to get to the redeeming part here. Yeah. Oh, the redeeming part is that people think they're sexy. No, not this lady. I know that when my friend Joe was on this podcast, she took a shine to um Pufferfish yep. when he turned up in his in his Akubra. I, I kind of feel like Puffy yep. is probably if I had to, he'd probably be the one on the show. <laughs> Come on. You tell me which other man on that show? Like character, he's shitting me at the moment because both stop yeah. crying to your daughter that she wants to go bang her boyfriend as if what eighteen year old is going to turn that down? He needs to. He's at uni now. He needs to go and do a psych class, do some Freudian stuff, yeah. and like move forward. So is Vaya's answer still Ned? <sighs> I've got. I don't know. I'm really confused about everything. <laughs> Fair on, enough. But, but Pierce Grayson is now in the mix, guys. And I, yeah, he, yep. Look, he probably would beat everyone just purely f- from his bank account, to be honest. That that would mm. make up for a lot of personal failings on his front. I'm just going through everyone in the street. Yeah, me too. Pierce, Ned, Shane, Milsey. Oh, so Milsey's got beautiful blue eyes. <laughs> no, no, but character. Character, no. Yeah, Milsey, yeah. I've just drawn a line through Milsey. Mm. <laughs> pity, pity I mean, Pierce is that. pretty bland. Toadfish. The, the money outweighs the blandness. Mark. Oh, no. Mark. Oh, maybe you. Darren. Brent. Darren. Leo. Oh, you got Leo. Um, Hang on, Darren. You can crush on a gay man. Darren and Tanaka. Oh, Darren. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah no, all right. I was, I was like, because I was like, hang on, Darren Stark? Hey, you know the candle I hold for Darren Palmer from the block? <laughs> yeah, I, know. I do. That, that fruitless. My fruitless crush. Yeah, I love a fruitless crush. Um, You're missing mine. Oh, Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson. That remains unchanged. Okay, but just, just but I actually it. feel guilty about it because him and Therese are going to be together forever. They're each oh. other's fairy tales. They oh, my God. They're not getting a prenup. Um, yeah, they went through the wedding to-do list and prenup was on it. Guys, you know. guys, when they break up, she's going to take him to the cleaners and we're going to go from the current stage, you know, like the sine curve of Paul's life. He's going to go from being the rich Paul to poor Paul. And she's going to own everything. Poor Paul. It's going to be so good. I might go Leo. So that, you know, because oh, Therese did both. And so mm. why wouldn't I? <laughs> okay. No. So we're talking about a man in your current life stage right now. Yeah. But he's Leo is Paul-esque. I feel like Puffy would be able to help care for my children. Mm, yes. And at least make them feel bad about maturing, if not. I've circled Ned. Look, I've got problems. I've got to go see Beverly Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to hypnotise it out of me. What about that promo, by the way? The ex-wife promo. Oh, the, the <gasps> King Henry VIII one. That was great. Exquisite production. I'm so excited. Lynn Scully. I love it. It's all his alive wife. Jane, one mm. of the Blakeneys. Yep, yep. Jane Hall, I mean. Sorry, Who? Rebecca. And they all want – see, so Gail's end game now is she doesn't think Tarage and Paul should get married. She has Tarage's best interests at heart and says, you're going to end up miserable and broken like me. Save yourself. Get back to Tasmania to nursery. Go away. This is my fairy tale and I'm with them. She's looking after the sisters. No. That sister's having fun with her money. Leave her with it. The only reason I can see Gail and Christina coming back to warn off to rage would be to protect the inheritance for their children. I don't know why Lynn Scully's in it aside from just hating him. And Rebecca tried to kill him, so she hates him too. Yeah, Lynn's a bandwagon jumper. I'm most excited about Rebecca. Justice for Rebecca. She tried. 
he got justice. No. He was behaving extremely, almost criminally while they were married. And essentially he was blackmailing her to stay married to him. I'm going to perfect blend this because that Rebecca situation was heinous. Hang on. I just Googled as to why his first wife, Terry, wasn't in it. Because like, oh, she's surely out of prison by now because she tried to kill him too. Yeah, she um, committed suicide off screen. I know. Wait, I knew she was dead, but I didn't. Oh, my God. Yeah. I had forgotten about the terrible stuff with Paul and Rebecca. I just really like her. Wow. That's all in store. This is what. This is it. This is what I sign up for on Ramsey Street. We need to do the Citizen of the Week or the Shitizen of the Week. And has there been any change in the Saddest Bitch in oh, Erinsborough yeah. ranking? All right, we'll start with that. Saddest Bitch in Erinsborough ranking, Kate. Who is, who is it? Well, look, I feel like we've had a new contender this week with Leo. His Saddest Bitch points have pushed him up the ladder. Which was surprising because earlier in the week it was definitely Mark with his oven cleaning. Yeah, and, and then he's like being the sad bastard at the party as well. But, you know... Leo's come in with a strong finish, getting fleeced by a stranger whilst trying to seduce her into doing sexy accounting for you. The saddest bitch in Erinsborough just wants to love and be loved in return. Good. Squared away. Citizen or citizen? Kate, we're going to kick off with you because clearly we know what your, who your citizen's going to be. Oh, citizen to Gail. How lovely to see her beautiful <laughs> face back. Um, CJ. Citizen. Paul. <laughs> for listening. He barely did anything. He got the di- reception deal. <laughs> and you know what? Often men don't listen to fine details, but he, he did. And he followed through. And we've had some conversations where I'm having to remember some things about him I don't want to. So right now, all I'm going to focus on is that dress. And it better be Dior. Neighbours wardrobe, you better go out and get a Dior. Get a Dior, guys. Go secondhand. Don't I just rent it? I don't care. Just it better be a Dior. I'm gonna, this is unexpected. Citizen of the week, Toadie, because you raised the alarm when someone was in need. Someone was struggling. They needed help. Toadfish Rebecca noticed that Sheila needed help mm. and he rallied everybody around to yeah. look into that. It's important. Yeah, he, he, blew, he lit the flare. And that's why he's running the Sonia Rebecca Foundation. Yes, this is great for him. Give the law game away. Give the practice to Imogen. Get her back. Do the Sonia Rebecca Foundation full time. To be honest, the, the criminals and unjustly accused of the of the Greater Melbourne area would be happy if he was no longer a lawyer. <laughs> and the Neighbours Council is a safe space. I'm, if you ever want to have chats and, you know, have a good time on there, if you need a laugh, come and say hi to us. Punch in Neighbours on Facebook and you'll see either our page, which you can like, or the group, which you can join. you just got to answer a question. And I'll tell you what, Bea is quick on it. I get notifications saying someone's joined the group and every time I go to let the person in, you've already done it. I'll, I'll let you do the next one. Okay. What I'm saying is if you answer that question, Bea will let you yeah. in that group. No, I'm letting you quick do as, the next one. You do the next one. All right, I will. Yeah. Quick, someone join now. Tweet at us at NeighboursPod. Have a look at our patreon.com slash NeighboursPod. And don't forget to rate or review us on Apple Podcasts because that helps build us up in the rankings. Share the link around. Share the love. Everybody yeah, and has we would time. like to read about your love as well. Yes. Gives us a pep up. CJ, where are you hanging out? CJ the Hot Mess Mum on Instagram and the internet. Kate. I'm at Remued on Twitter. And I'm Vaya Pashos. We are NeighboursPod.com. And we'll let you know how Sheila's faring next week. Yeah. Good, good luck, Sheila. Stay warm. Take a water bottle with you. Yeah. Or, or Susan's Mount Franklin bottle. You'll be all right. Skin a kangaroo. Have some skippy. Roo sliders. Bye. 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 Oh, yes, Susan.
hang on before you turn it off the 82 serves an emu egg <laughs> omelette that sounds disgusting that's got to be like a five chicken egg omelette or something i'm disgusted <laughs> 